I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. The world has made a lot of progress in AI over the last few years. The building of algorithms, the, you know, the availability of data, compute storage has certainly made commercial uses for AI more prevalent. There's tremendous opportunity for AI also in the social space, right? How do you detect disease? How do you manage disaster relief? Smarter cities, safer cities, uh, plant management early stage in agri. So I, I want to get to the societal impact of AI, but before we get to that, Give us a view, a holistic view, uh, Bill, from your perspective on where do you see AI going? I know you've mentioned and called AI both a nuclear power and a nuclear weapon in terms of its promise and yeah. its danger, right? But, but give, us a, give us a sense of what should we be excited about? What would we, should we be cautioned about around AI? Well, AI has accelerated over the last 10 years as these uh, machine learning techniques called deep learning and, a, and some varieties around that have been advanced very rapidly. And so there's a class of things like game playing or speech recognition or image recognition that the performance levels are phenomenal. You know, if you compare human speech recognition to computer speech recognition, the computer is slightly better. And that's, you know, mind blowing. Now, AI, we're so, you, usually we see things that are completely dumb or that are other humans. And so it's hard for us when something's sort of an idiot savant, really good at a few things. When we see that, we think, oh, it must be good at everything. You know, it can play chess and go better than any human. That's kind of too bad. Uh, but we think that means it can do something like read a book. It can't read a book. It has no model of the world, no common sense. Now, there's a lot of people, including at Microsoft, Google, you know, working hard to try and do that, but that's you know, very unknown. So what we have today is a tool. Um, you know, we're gonna take AI <clears throat> and create like an ultrasound device that when a woman's pregnant, we'll be able to see, uh, is this going to be a complicated pregnancy? Uh, you know, we can point at the lungs and see if there's infection or TB. And the, the uh, person using that won't have to uh, even be that well trained. So there's some miracle tools that even today's AI can give us. A lot of the debate is about when is the next stage coming and in terms of what that does to the job market, uh, you know, how do we think about that? Um, you know, I think that's out there. I do think it's a very important topic. Uh, there's a recent book uh, called Re uh, rebooting AI that talks about what we're good at and what we're not uh, good at uh, and reminds people, it's Gary Marcus is the author, that we're not really at the uh, breakthrough yet. And we don't even know the path to the breakthrough, 
that gets general intelligence. Yeah. No, and you, you touched upon this, Bill. You know, what is your view on the narrative that AI is taking over our jobs? And if, if you believe that, do you worry at all that to reskill people and the kind of advanced skilling you require to reskill those people, do you further enhance the inequity gap by doing that? Yeah, you have to be careful uh, when there's advances. In a sense, we're all better off. If, if the machines can make all the food and the clothes and none of us have to work, uh, you know, you'd think, okay, now we have all the freedom. If we want to stand behind the, the counter and you know, make sandwiches, okay, you can if you want, but there's this other way to make those goods and services. But it will be very disruptive uh, because you know, say you're mid-career in manufacturing or driving, then it's a disruption. Now we've had that in a slow way for hundreds of years. You know, we used to all be farmers, now very few of us are farmers. And that happened gradually enough that it was more generational. Okay, my father was a farmer, I'm not a farmer. As opposed to halfway through his career, it was like, okay, you have to go do something else. The rate of change and the need for government to step in to improve you know, help everybody have this safety net, which as you get richer, you know, if you have more resources, the safety net should be pretty incredible. The food, the health, the rent safety net. The world today, we still have lots of shortages, uh, and so we can't afford, even a rich country, they, people talk about this thing called universal basic income. That's basically when you're so rich that you can have an unconditional safety net that even if you're just lazy, you get all sorts of good stuff. Uh, we can't afford that yet. If you get AI up to a certain level, then those sort of uh, periods of excess where it's not about shortages, those will come. But uh, those are not, you know, they're certainly not in my lifetime. Share a couple of examples, Bill, if you can, you know, where AI has scaled impact in the work that you're doing at the Gates Foundation, perhaps in health or education, something that can excite us, something that has applicability in India. I don't know if you're doing some work with leveraging AI in India. But yeah, so certainly we use AI to do drug discovery. Uh, these biological systems are very complicated, and so the fact that we have you know, vaccines for TB and HIV coming that's partly enabled by this rich data, advance in biology, and machine learning. The most direct application you would see is, you know, when we look at a woman to see if she has cervical cancer, we do image uh, recognition, and we can do way better than any human or any previous test. Just by using a cell phone camera, it can tell us, okay, you need to get treatment. And if you catch that early, of course, you completely avoid that cervical cancer, which is, is caused by HPV. And so imaging, whether through an ultrasound or a normal picture, even down at the primary healthcare clinic, there is going to be mind-blowing improvements in, in what we can do to treat people. Uh, and you know, some of it you'll just have on your own cell phone to look at your sleep, look at, at your diet, and to help yourself do the things that avoid uh, absolutely getting sick. So these agents, agents that can help you tutor, uh, learn math, uh, you know, you can have this great dialogue and get rewards and it'll figure out what you're confused about. So it'll be like having a personal tutor. That is coming within the next five years or so. And, you know, that's fantastic because it can prepare society to do new types of work.
This was a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.